she leads, she thrives. The home of inspired conversations, practical and creative wisdom, expansive leadership and business insights, abundant braggadocious moments of celebration, and useful info you can actually do something with. You'll hear about mindset, marketing, money, magnetism, self-awareness and the Thrive Factor framework, its archetypes and more. Amplify your role as a leader, a self-led soul. Tap into your effortless success zone. Turn your ingeniousness and wisdom into profitable income streams. From solo shows to guests you definitely want more from, there's something for every ambitious, ingenious soul. I'm Shannon Dunn, a true OG of the business coaching space with an obsession with thriving. You are so welcome here. Let's dive into today's episode. This episode was brought to you by the Thrive Factor Coach Certification offered by Thrive Factor School. The certification is a unique, immersive experience into professional coaching and developing proficiency using the Thrive Factor framework and its 12 female-centric self-leadership archetypes. Being a Thrive Factor Coach offers a unique gift of personal transformation your clients will be filled with gratitude for. This is a genuine opportunity to engage in a world-class personal and professional training experience and become part of a community of impact makers as a licensed Thrifactor coach. To find out more, email hello at thrifactorco.com. Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Shannon Dunn, your host here at the She Leads, She Thrives podcast, and I'm back with a brand new guest. So Annie and I have known each other. I don't even know how long, Annie. It doesn't matter. We've known each other for some time now, and Annie used to live on the west coast of, of Australia where I am, and that's how we first met in some business networking when, as I've said this recently with something else, that Annie was doing a whole different thing then. So you've had such a, a big shift and change. Um, but I remember being instantly connected to you. And I know you were doing a, a lot of storytelling uh, yes. and just that the way that you were, you know, it was just this genuine captivating energy around you at that time. And I was like, I want to know more about this woman. <laughs> and then you've all, you know, gone and done a, a whole change. Uh, and I'm going to ask you specifically to share about that. Um, sure. And then, you know, my relationship with Annie has deepened in the last well, probably 18 months as I started to take mm -hmm. some of her programs and her courses. And I've just recently, not long ago, finished her amazing signature program called Represented. Uh, and I'm going to let Annie tell you more about that. But my experience was such a positive, uplifting one. And I know, you know, Uplifting Studios is the brand that you have been going by in, in an evolution, which is very exciting. And I have loved Annie's work so much that I invited her to come in to be the DEI specialist in relation to leading a racially inclusive business for our Thrive Factor Coach community. So we've just had our first masterclass recently and that went swimmingly and it was such a fabulous thing. So Annie, a huge welcome to you, beautiful woman, please. Tell us a little bit more about you. What else do you want to add kind of from a who is Annie perspective before we get into some awesome questions for today? Firstly, thank you so much for having me. It is a joy to be in conversation with you again. Yes. We, over the last few months or so, we've just had so many conversations. And so it is such a pleasure to be here and uh, to talk about this important work. There are not many leaders who are leading the way in this way, Shannon, in terms of uh, inclusive leadership. It's something that has been a hot topic, as we know, since, um, you know, uh, 20 2020, yes. uh, when we, there was sort of like a resurgence on, you know, Black Lives Matter and, and, and a lot of white people in particular becoming very aware of the you know, just the, the differences that exist and the lack of, in, you know, the, the inequities as well. And so for us to be doing this work from a personal, but also a professional, a business perspective is such an important thing as human beings. And you actually don't realize the impact it, it is going to have and, and is necessary, but it's such a key ingredient to who we are as human beings to understand this work and to be part of this work if we are going to truly 
have an impactful difference and build legacy because I know you're big on legacy Shannon I sure am one of my favorite words (laughs) this is legacy work this is legacy building work and it is necessary for each and every one of us in business yeah I so agree Uh, there's like a million questions you know jump to mind just with that little piece that you shared there but just to go back to as you said in 2020 it felt like there was almost like a, a fresh or a brand new awakening for so many people, and yeah, as you said, particularly white people around this, uh, such a, a key topic of, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusivity from a racial perspective, mm. which is I know what we're going to talk about today. So, uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have seen things differently, to do mm. the learning I've done with you, the learning I've done with others, the kind of often shocking learning and yeah. unlearning I've done in some of the books that I've listened to that were recommended by you in the podcast and things mm-hmm. so many things but as a kind of a first question for the today I'd love to get you to share how you ended up doing this work because I have I, I have loved when you shared that it wasn't something that you felt you know like you were necessarily jumped in and went I'm doing this like I'm all in it was a there was some hesitation so I'd love to hear a little bit about Mm. the story about how you got to be where you are Annie and doing this such incredible as you said important work there was a lot of hesitation because I, I don't think there's anything that goes up going like, well, I'm going to talk about racial equity matters and that's what I want to be known for. And those are the difficult, uncomfortable conversations I want to be having uh, with predominantly white people. I don't think there's any black person who, who has that kind of a dream. No. But I, I feel like because I've called Australia home for over 20 years, I feel like every single thing that I have gone through was preparing me for this moment, Shannon. Oh, I just got goosebumps when you said that. (laughs) Because I came here as an international student from Kenya. I was here to do a three-year degree and head on back home. That was the plan. But things changed. I fell in love with this country um, and I wanted to stay. I really, really did want to stay despite the subtle, you know, subtleness of experiencing racial um, aggression and lack of opportunities Mm -hmm. and just differences from a race perspective, despite that, I still wanted to stay. And, uh, you know, finishing my my studies in university, doing a master's degree, getting into corporate, doing HR, um, being part of diversity and inclusion projects, but very much from a gender and disability yeah. perspective. That was and becoming, focus. Mm. becoming a life coach and really very much wanting to support migrant women of color who I felt very, very uh, connected to and wanted to help particularly within the corporate spaces having been in human resources and wanting them to to unshackle their self-limiting beliefs to you know um grow and build a career that they are proud of and be in positions of leadership things that we often do not see and and being here in Australia being so multicultural yet not seeing that representation when it comes to leadership business ownership when it comes to influence and power we are not seeing that representation from a race perspective and uh also i guess becoming a mother you know i'm a mother of two incredible human beings and sharing stories. And I think that's where we we connected first and foremost when I was doing documentaries and sharing good news stories. And I just felt drawn to share our stories of migrant people of color who are rising because ours has often been a story that has been told that is merged so much with the lack of you're here because you need a hand up you're here because you've come from a continent that is so impoverished you you know with illness with disease with lack poverty and so you're here to seek assistance 
And whilst that narrative does exist and it is true, it is not the only one. And so I felt very much called to share our stories of rising, our stories of success, our stories of how we are contributing to the Australian economy Mm. and how we're making a difference. And slowly by slowly, that kind of led me into, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion work, which I was doing in corporate in a different way. But really seeing the gap, being in masterminds and seeing, you know, I'm the only black person in that mastermind and seeing where are where is the racial representation. And then, of course, through the murder of George Floyd, really, that for me was a catalyst. That was when I felt I cannot be silent anymore. I know I have a skill as a coach and I have so many people I am connected with who are business owners, coaches, who have no clue about racial inclusivity. And that is an area that I can speak to. That is a gap in our industry. And I would like to speak to that and I'd like to help them understand how they can do better and build businesses that actually lead to sustainability and profitability. Because when you begin to serve people of color who are now classified as a global majority, and when you think about it logically, when you look at, you know, countries like China and India that have billions of people, you're talking about 1.5 billion people in each of the countries. And then by rankings, when you look at the most populated countries in the world, You know, you've got um, Nigeria, Indonesia, uh, Bangladesh, Mexico, America is there and Russia is there, but a huge amount of the top 10 are countries where people of color come from. And so as a business owner, if you are not being inclusive, you are leaving out a massive, huge amount of people that you could potentially be serving and really growing a business that is sustainable for years to come, that is profitable, but by simply having one that just looks and sounds like you being a white business, you are missing out in a big way being of service to the global majority. And so that is how I arrived at this work, but it wasn't work that I ever thought or saw myself doing at But as you said, Annie, right at the beginning of sharing that, and thank you for sharing that, that it's like your entire life has been moving towards you doing what you're doing, even though you didn't necessarily see that that was the path that was going to unfold. And one of the things that I was thinking about is, you know, just recently, um, for everyone who's listening, I have had the opportunity to introduce Annie to her Trifactor archetypes, and she has three. And the work you're doing now, having taken in the lived and learned experience that you've had from your lifetime up until this point and even if we think back to you know stories of your family your ancestral stories and all of those things your archetypes are such a a beautiful combination for you to be expressing your truth with the mediator diplomat and Mm. it feels like that you got to that place where as you said you could not be silent any longer yes yeah your mentor teacher you tapped into the wisdom that lived and learned experience and you were as you said I have skills I have gifts I have a way to work with people that is going to be important and of value and you're inspire a believer and I love when I see you get your coach on because that's very much like me the inspire believer like get our you know virtual pom-poms out and cheer everybody on through (laughs) whatever it is that they're experiencing so it's like such a perfect combination of archetypes and the way that you're expressing them without even having known them, and this is one of the magic things of the archetypes, is that you you just you you listened to your soul, if you like, you listened to your wisdom, you listened to the stories of your ancestors, and you reflected on the world and went, "This is what I'm going to do." Mm-hmm. Yeah? And yeah. here we are. <laughs> yeah, I think there reaches a point in your life. You know, now I'm in well into my forties. And there's just a tagging on your heart and it just, Mm. it tags on you so hard that you, you have to listen at some point, you just have to listen and honor yourself in that way. And I think for me, one of the biggest drivers, you know, obviously my children being a huge, huge uh, reason why I do what I do, but the thought of this life coming to an end and never ever having done anything of significance, of impact, of really 
something that, that kind of pushed the dial or moved the needle forward in work that I am absolutely passionate about, that I know I can impact and make a difference. I think for me, when I think of legacy, when I think of the, when all this is said and done, what difference will I have made? Will my existence have made a difference? Will the purpose in which I was created for have come to fruition? Or did I just come and coast and, and, and kind of leave? And that for me, that is not an option. Yeah, I'm so glad it's not an option. <laughs> I, I understand where you're coming from. And I, I find that there are certainly there are a, there's a percentage of the world, no matter where we're talking about across the world, where there are people that are going to be, you know, say that they're very happy, just coasting along, doing whatever happens, you know, just letting, you know, things unfold. And there are those of us that are ambitious, have a, a different view, have a different drive and connection to purpose. And as you said, impact and legacy. And, you know, the fact that you were able to listen to what was going on in your heart, I'm sure in your head, in your whole body, uh, and follow those nudges and end up where you are now. So let's get into some of the the bits and pieces about DEI because there's so much we can talk about and we won't cover you know I think we'll just scratch the surface today but with my last podcast I have often got guests back again to do another episode so watch this space Annie we might be doing another one in, in the new, new future so when it comes to DEI work and if I speak from the the space of being a white woman yeah and having conversations with my white colleagues friends mentors, people I follow in the business world, there is a lot of fear and uncertainty about DEI work from a racial perspective. Where do I start and what happens because I'm going to get it wrong and I don't want to get it wrong so I'll just stay quiet and I won't do anything, which I know was not okay for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I've certainly had friends and, and people that I know say to me, why are you doing this stuff? Like, you know, curious because I've been very open about the learning I've done with you, the my own growth, my own, you know, curiosity. Mm. and have had some, some interesting conversations, I could say, use the word interesting, but a lot of curiosity, but but not with a necessarily a welcoming. So, you know, mm. when people are in that space of fear and, and unsure about what to do, where, where do we start? You know, what what is the starting point? Because I imagine there's lots of different options. But, you know, when someone comes to you and says, Annie, I, I, I feel like I want to do something, but the fear is overwhelming me. I don't know where to, what to do. Yeah, um, you know, fear is a huge barrier to getting into racial equity work. Fear is just the ingredient that people uh, do not pass, uh, do not get past. You know, I'd rather be silent than say the wrong thing, or I just don't want to be called out. We're living in a time where you know cancel culture is rampant, and so the the, the thought of being cancelled, doxxed, or uh, whatever the case is, is is so. Um, it's such a scary thought that people just do not dive into this work. And I think um, one of the best places to begin is to find out how do you learn? How do you enjoy to get in information? Are you somebody who listens to podcasts? Are you somebody who is huge on reading books? Are you someone who enjoys movies, documentaries? Find out how do I love to receive information? Mm. That's the first step. And once you find out how you love to receive um, information and educate yourself, tap into that. You see, for me, as somebody in business, I love to listen to business podcasts because that's how I keep myself motivated. That's how I learn different ways of how people have been successful and also the mistakes that they have made and just learning through their journey. And one of the other things I do is also incorporate listening to DEI podcasts, you know, podcasts on anti-racism, podcasts on, you know, how can we be more inclusive? And that's a way to keep myself, even though I'm an educator and a coach in this space, um, keep myself up to speed and being part of the conversation as I am listening. And so it becomes a, a really sustainable way to get information. I'm doing it in the privacy of my own space and in my own yes. home or where, where, wherever the spaces I'm occupying. And it's not something, and I'm doing, it's not something, it's free to begin with. I'm not paying for money and, and, and putting myself out there. accessible education. It is so accessible. So I think it is first just being curious enough 
to dive in and not allow what you know the the what society tells us is right and wrong but following that tagging you know that tagging that I spoke to earlier following that tagging is something why do I keep thinking about this I'm a business owner this is something I need to be across about and um, it's a non-negotiable so where can I begin so it's knowing how do I like to receive information how do I like to learn how can I tap into that yeah. and then once you begin to get your groove into that once you begin to to familiarize yourself on, on some of the differences of concepts maybe reading a book watching a documentary you will begin to have more of a deeper interest in this and if you're an invested business owner at least you will want to I'm not just going to read one book I'm not just going to watch one documentary this is work that I'd like to keep growing in and that is where investing in different things like programs or working with a DEI coach really comes in handy because the difference between you just receiving that information via the source that you have you know chosen that works for you is that it's limiting you cannot ask questions when you encounter certain things and you're like why am I feeling this way why do I have this reaction what's happening to me or how do I push past certain things this is not a priority in my life in that I do not encounter racial issues per se how can I make this a priority how can I stay in the work how can I stay consistent how can I build a business that is inclusive that is welcoming that when people of color step in they feel that they are part of the family they're part of the community that I have built and you cannot do that if you are not spending time in communities where this is being fostered and also learning from somebody that you respect somebody that you admire somebody who is credible that is how you begin again to move the needle to move forward Mm -hmm. in your work so it might be scary in the beginning but you've got to make a decision and the starting step is really such a a place of of safety if I can say that because you're doing it within your own space that you're familiar with I think that's a, a very appropriate word to use Annie and I know for me aside from listening to podcasts and you know following people like yourself being very intentional about who I was following and where they were based in the world also so that I was getting a voice from different parts of the world and I know one of the things I love to read books but I often find that listening to audiobooks is far more efficient these days but I also was conscious about who I was choosing as authors so I was choosing you know from a business and an inspiration perspective authors that were women of color because I prefer generally, I, you know, most of the books that I engage with are written by female authors, yes. um, not exclusively, but majority of the time. <laughs> but I also found that by listening to the audiobooks by those authors, particularly if they'd narrated them themselves, I was also getting to hear literally a different voice because of their cultural background in their accents. Mm. And that for me was also part of the engagement and listening to the way things were explained, the stories that were shared. So all of that was a great starting point. So you just said, I love that. I love it is the key. that you were able to hear different voices, 100%. different accents, um, ways in which things are taught and explained to you in a different way. And that's what that's a beauty in diversity. That's a beauty in um, listening to different voices that are different from us, mm-hmm. because then you're able to hear the story in a different way. It's not just about you, because we live in in societies where whiteness has been centered so much so you do not know any different and that's how the system has been built it's been built that way so you have no clue you you do not know the difference and then so when you're hearing diverse voices when you're hearing voices of people of color speak and teach and educate or even storytelling that can just be purely from a you know a a fiction perspective you're hearing it very differently when you go to the movies and watch Viola Davis in The Woman King you know to say that (laughs) just in a different space because what has been normalized to us and so if I'd read the, those books that I refer to and I have a number that come to mind, I would have been reading that with my white woman voice and my lived and learned experience. And that to also to me felt like it wasn't honouring the author, but at the same time I said I was more drawn to those but they were actually narrated by the author of the work more than if there was somebody else that was brought in to narrate them because mm-hmm. I wanted to hear that individuals actually wanted to hear their voice. So that's a, such a great place to start. 
moving on, it's like, where do we go next, right? But I feel like one of the things that was most pivotal for me to connect with you in a deeper way was some time ago now, maybe even two years ago, Annie, at this point, where I did your uh, masterclass on being an ally, so allyship. And yes. it was like, oh, you kind of got the, the the curiosity that I already innately have just expanded in a different way and made me more conscious and intentional about how I was considering what how I was showing up. And it wasn't that I that was my pivotal moment to decide I wanted to do more of this work. I already mm. knew that, mm. but it definitely helped me to connect with you as a teacher as well. But I think for a lot of people, particularly white people, we don't know what it means to be an ally for people of colour, a true ally. Like what does allyship even mean? Yeah. So, you know, let's start there with that kind of our next topic to talk about. You know, yeah, I, I do remember that masterclass that you came yeah. for, Allyship in Action. That's it. What it was called. And, you know, being an ally, put very, very simply, is just standing in solidarity with people of colour. Mm. You know, it is acknowledging that you do come from uh, an empowered, you know, group. And so you are using whatever privilege that you have to support a group that doesn't have that kind of power or privilege, so to speak. And so that is what allyship is. But allyship is not a linear journey. It's not a, a journey where you just keep going up and up and up and up and up and you're you're just this Mm. gold star ally you know allyship comes in different forms in that um sometimes you might speak up and make a mistake and say the wrong thing but it is permission to make mistakes come as you are messy but make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. And I think that is what, when it comes to how I teach and how I deliver this work in racial equity is allowing white women predominantly, because that is who I support predominantly, to come as they are. People who are hungry to do better, people who really wanna make a difference and uh, giving them permission to make mistakes. Yes, you said that it wasn't appropriate. Now you know, now you do better. But when we're in spaces that tell us, oh, that is not an ally, or you shouldn't even be calling yourself an ally. We need an accomplice, or we need an agitator, or we need a co-conspirator. Then you just get so confused because there are different people telling you what you should be. And there's almost this, 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 um, you ought to know better, or like, how, how dare you or these are the mistakes that you keep making and 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 whilst that is coming from a place of a lot of exhaustion and a lot of um seeing opportunities not very much um available for people of color I feel that it can be a barrier to the journey. It can be a barrier because then guilt gets in the way, judgment gets in the way, shame gets in the way. Mm. And once those check in, there is just no room for racial equity work because it just gets in the way. There is no way for you to just be uncomfortable doing this work or even get into the work because of the fear of what might happen or what you might get yourself into. And so being an ally is is such a journey of ups and downs. Mm. And it is also ensuring that you surround yourself with with a community. This is not work we can do individually. This is not work where you take a book and you read or an audio book and you listen in isolation and you just go about your business. This is like business, how we are together. We met at a networking function, you know, and we are there to grow. We are there to rub shoulders with others who are doing this work, this business, so that we can encourage each other. Mm. Imagine doing business on your own. Imagine from the moment you began, you've been in your home office alone, and it is just not a doable journey. And so for this to be sustainable is finding others, you know, I like to say like-hearted, you know, people in business who are aspiring to do the same thing, who your their values align with yours in that they want to see that kind of racial inclusion. And so um, being an ally is also something that is not glamorous. It is something that comes at a cost. It'll cost you 
it'll cost you clients, it'll cost you money, it'll cost you potential status in that maybe you've you, you've missed opportunities that could have helped you promote your business because it is not in alignment with others who mm. see this work as a barrier, see this work as not what it shouldn't be centered or do not have any understanding or do not want to partake in this work. Mm. And so it'll come at a cost and it is understanding, well, where, where do I draw the line? Where are my values? What will drive me as a human being, um, my values. And so how will I stand up for this work? How will I show up for mm. this work? And so allyship is a journey. And the thing to understand, and a lot of what a lot of people don't get when they arrive into this work, is that this is a lifelong journey. You will yeah. never reach a point where you've ticked all the boxes or that you're done. You know, I've read X books and I've done this course. It is an ongoing journey, just like business, the way you, you might be in business for 20 years, but you keep growing because things, they're, they're constant mm -hmm. evolutions. They're it constant is, evolution is definitely the word that was coming to mind listening to what you were sharing there, Annie. And I think there has been so many things in, in, in our lives, particularly around this space of, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusivity from a racial perspective as you said you mentioned before you know there's a gender perspective there's a disability perspective there's there's age perspective as well looking at, there's so many different ways but we're you know very much focusing on a racial perspective but there's been too many and I should know I remember shared this with you in in represented parts of our lives where it has been just a ticker box and I remember so many different experiences in my particularly my work my career where there was ticker box kind of experiences and I knew it wasn't kind of right but I did not know what to do about it but I think that was kind of all the seeds being planted you know yeah. in both of my travels and things that I know I've shared some stories with you around mm. um uh, that, that that then the time was finally right where I was like we're going to do this differently and not let fear not let overwhelm not let knowing not not knowing what to do and how to do it but yeah. just, again, reaching out and finding the right people to learn from. And as you said, and in community, the community aspect is so key because being in an evolution, it's like a revolution. You know, it's not a, it's not a thing you want to ever do solo. You, you're, it's so much better when you are supported and it's supported in a way where I'd love you to talk a little bit about this, where you are called in, not called out. And that was one thing I know I've shared this with you before that, really one of many things about represented that I love from your teaching was around that whole notion of calling in yes. and not calling out. And I know that from my experience observing what was happening, particularly around everything with 2020 and, you know, the rise of the Black Lives Matter and the kind of tokenism and things that was going on, um, feeling also like I wasn't really sure what to do with the calling out that I was observing and I, I, I can unpack my feelings and all that about it and explore that. And I've done more of that with you. But even still, it's like, you know, wait a second, this isn't the calling out and the anger and the aggression. And I can, I can do my best to understand where it comes from. Yeah. But the calling in is so much more empowering and useful. Mm. So can mm. you tell us a little bit about what that is? Because there, I'm sure there are people listening going, what do you mean calling in? Yes, calling in. So obviously yeah. I think. We, most of us know what calling out is. Yeah. It is when you really, um, and, and, and I'll say this, there is a place for calling out. There is, it's not to say that there's no place for calling out. There are people who are beyond calling in. Yes. You know, there are people who you're just like, we'll just call this out because this is repeated, harmful, inappropriate behavior, and it ought to be called out. Yeah. But I think the calling out is has really taken a toll on this work because it is done in such a way that makes somebody feel like you ought to have known better hmm. when really you're assuming that what you know as a person, the person who you, you're calling out, you're assuming they know what you know. So when you come in and you say, shame, when you have, would you say that that is so inappropriate, you shouldn't be using those words and that is racist or whatever. You're assuming that that person has the same education and the same awareness, right. level of awareness that you have. And it's because potentially you've been reading, you've been engaging in this work. And so you know that. And so you're calling out in a very aggressive mm. manner. 
And what that does to the person who's been called out is that they become defensive. When somebody says something that you know is not true to your character, what do you do? You get into defense mode and you're like, hey, hang on. What are you talking about, Shannon? That is not me. You do not understand. I am this and the other. And then what that then does is when you call out somebody and you're aggressive in that kind of way, it doesn't give them the opportunity to take accountability. And when somebody does take accountability, that is when we're able to see potential for change. So if I approach somebody and I say, hey, you know, what you said, um, I don't know if you realize this, but this is the impact that it has. This is what it means. And being the person that I know you to be, I know that you're a person of integrity. I know that you're a person who values connection and relationships. And so what you've said there just didn't add up to the person that I know you to be. So listen how you're calling them to their higher self. You're speaking of who you know them to be. You're not coming in and telling that uncle, hey, uncle such and such, you are so racist. That's why this family is this and the other. No, you are appealing to their higher self. And what that does, Shannon, is it disarms them and it allows them for at least a moment to think about what you're saying. Yes, they might still fight you back or go like, you don't know this or you don't know the other. But what you've done is you've entered this discussion with a disarming. You're, you're, you're lifting them up. You're calling them up to their highest self. And more often than not, you will find that is a way of dialogue that allows you to hear where they're coming from. It allows them to hear where you're coming from. And you're able to have a conversation because I think a lot of times what happens is the conversation is thrown out and it becomes an argument. It becomes a back yes. and forth where there is no progress that is being made. No one, there's never going to be any resolution or understanding or compassion and all the things that we hope for. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And when we are, even when you think as 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 human beings, as 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 babies, when when we're growing up, you know, we were corrected with love. At least most of the time, you yes. know, we were we were led through a path. You're told, and when you did something well, it was celebrated. And and when you when you didn't do something well, like I often use the analogy of a baby learning to walk, learning to crawl. You don't go like, ah, how. You just fell down. You didn't make that step. What yeah. is wrong with you? Can you, no, you know, go it. ahead? And, and, and th- yeah. there isn't that. It's like, yay. And even though they yeah. fall down like 20, 30 times, you're still cheering, you're cheering them, them. Exactly. We don't see that as grownups. Once we grow up, when you begin to mess up, when you begin to struggle, people are just waiting and just watching. The, the cheering is quiet. There are not many people cheering for you. And I think when we are not in community with like-hearted people, when we are not in community in spaces that um, can lift us up and call us to our higher self, that is when we become silent. That is when we do not prioritize this work. That's when this work becomes really hard and people don't understand why are you doing this work or how can I possibly even attract a person of color to be a client of mine or be of service to them? Yeah, yeah, no, so much there. Uh, I think we need more inspired believers in the world to be out there cheering for every expression of whatever anyone's doing without mm-hmm. the tags of the, the right or wrong or judgment or criticism. It's yeah. like let's let's do it in a different way. So I love that. I think we've got time for just one more question, <laughs> probably a bit longer than, than we were with some of the other episodes because we've got such gorgeous and interesting and useful and purposeful things to talk about. Um, and then I've got a few questions I'd like to ask you that I'm going to ask all of the guests. But this last question around the DEI space, Annie, is around the inclusion statement or inclusion journey statement, as you call yeah. it. And I know that uh, that was such a valuable experience for me. I recently did your workshop on that and, you know, going back and forward and getting some, um, investing some time with you to, you know, come to that. And my statement is on both websites and yeah, yeah with, them, with some other and I was never not going to publish it but just to put it out there and again to it's not perfect but it wasn't about being perfect this is a, again about as you said it's about an evolution it's about a learning and unlearning and all the things and you know but being able to to be guided to be in that space of really connecting in with well how did I get to be doing this piece of work for myself for my business for my community for the world So tell us about, you know, why it's so important to have an inclusion statement. Yes, you know, having an inclusion statement, particularly for us in our coaching and personal development industry, Shannon, is that it's it's the great 
definer. It's a great separator from everybody else because it is your ability to articulate your values, the things that you stand for. So if somebody like me is looking to engage with somebody like you and I come across your inclusion statement or your DEI journey statement and I'll be like, hang on, Shannon is switched on to matters of racial inclusion. And then I read a little bit of your journey. So it's not just a statement of, you know, I work with all people from all backgrounds. This is personal. It's heartfelt. There is a way you've written it that draws people in. It talks about how did you arrive at this work? Mm -hmm. You know, um, what are your values? What are the things that are important to you as a human being? And then it lastly talks about your commitment, the commitment that you're making to this work. That separates you, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else, because it tells me the things that are important to you. And it potentially lets me know how you might hold me in the space that I come into with you. And so that allows me to take a step closer to Shannon, because we are aligned from a values perspective. Mm -hmm. And it's also a great way to weed off those who are not interested, because I know True. I've done this work with clients. They've sent it to their mailing list and there's been like a saying that a few a bad thing who, who've unsubscribed. Yeah. And it's a good thing when that happens, because clearly these are not people who are aligned with your values, That's you know. Nice. And so exactly. having one is an absolute essential as somebody who is in business and you're looking to, you know, build and incorporate inclusion and equity into how you run your business and even your life. Yeah. Oh, so much so. And I remember when, you know, you had shared that you were going to do the workshop and I was, you know, I was doing represented with you. So I was curious again, that seems to be my favorite word around all of the <laughs> learning and, and the work that I'm doing. Um, but also having read other inclusion statements that were, you know, plastered across websites all over the world from, you know, an, an in, individual solopreneur through to the big corporates and they felt empty so much of the time. And I, I had no doubt that we were going to be doing something very different with you. But even still, I was like, it's again, it's like another ticker boxing. This isn't, isn't, isn't okay. And then when you started to guide us through the pieces of the, well, what are your values? Well, again, the story, how did you get here? What is important? Mm -hmm. What is your commitment? Who are you going to keep learning from? What are you going to continue to do? It was like, oh, and then this feels more an authentic expression of what's really important. And, and when I read your journey statement, when I read your inclusion journey statement, it will be so different from somebody else's. Mm -hmm. Yes, maybe what brought you to the table is the same thing, but the way it's articulated, the way it's shared, and you're taking people on a little bit of a journey, you're sharing part of your stories. And as we know, stories are so much of how we connect with one another. We connect with one another through storytelling. Yeah. And so if you're able to share just a little bit of your journey and how you arrived here, it allows me to see you and take a step closer to you. Mm. Mm, no, it was such a valuable experience. So if anyone's listening in, I've mentioned a lot of the things that Annie offers, the masterclasses, the workshops, the programs. Um, so you're definitely going to want to, to connect with her. But let's just, to, before we wrap up officially, Annie, I've got those few questions I'd love to ask you. The first one is, what role does leadership play in your life and business? Mm, you know, leadership has, again, evolution, that word evolution, mm. it has evolved, because for me, growing up, leadership was so much more of a manly thing, it was the men who are in leadership, it was dad, it was, you know, people who are in positions of, of political office. But for me, leadership now means so much to me, especially as a mom, knowing how for me as a human being, this has really evolved from being in corporate to being a stay-at-home mom for some time to building my own business. I think leadership for me is, you know, the ability to be in a decision-making position, yes. to be empowered. And leadership as well is seeing that representation. Am I seeing other women of color in positions of, you know, um, empowerment, business ownership, influence and power? To me, that is what leadership is, be it at the dinner table 
or be it at the boardroom table or be it at your, you know, your your, your at home desk where you're working from. That for me is leadership and ability to make those decisions. Yeah, I love that, Annie. Um, I feel like so many of us have grown up in environments where leadership was an externalised thing. As you said, there was people that were in positions of power, no matter what they were, and particularly in, in our generation, even though you and I grew up in very different parts of the world, um, there was the agenda aspect of that as well. Is there was very much a male kind of position. Whereas I love that there has been such a switch to the understanding of leadership from within, self-leadership, which is a big part of the work that I do, um, which is exactly what you just talked about then, that evolution of coming to understand that. And then what, what does that mean for me and how can I use that purposefully? So beautiful. So the next question I'd love to know, how do you know you're thriving? Ooh, how do I know I'm thriving? It comes back to joy. Mm-hmm. It comes back to joy. If I am feeling joyful at home, cooking a meal for my family, I'm thriving, Shannon. If I have joy playing with my son, chasing him in the house and, you know, playing touch footy, I am thriving. If I am in here, having a podcast interview conversation and I have joy, I am thriving. So for me, joy is the base of it. Yeah, that just makes me feel like a a big ray of yellow sunshine when you say joy expressing out there. So good. I've got one more question to ask you, but before I do that, I'd love to invite you to let everybody know how they can connect with you. Mm -hmm. So where's the best place to find you online? And just for anyone who's listening, we will always include all of the contact details for our guests on the show in the show notes. And the best place to go to those will always be the thrivefactorco.com website uh, and links from various places that you might be listening. But Annie, where can people connect with you? Okay, so where I spend most of my time is on Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram. Handle is Annie Gishiru. Or come visit me on my website, anigishiru.com. Yeah, awesome. That's so good. And the last question, and I said, I feel like we're coming back for another episode. I want to talk to you about scholarships, about so many other things. We're going to come back to that. Let's we'll book another time. What's the one kind of, I guess, for today, a final piece of wisdom that you'd like to share with the ambitious and genius souls who are tuning in and on their own journey and experience of thriving, what's something, you know, around the, the, your topic and your, you know, as you said, your like-hearted expansion in the world? Hmm. So um, scholarships. Yes. Uh, I think a lot of people mistake that the only way I can be of service to people of colour is to make my pricing accessible, and that is through scholarships. Yeah. And whilst that is true that making your prices accessible for marginalized groups such as people of color is one way to be of service to them, that doesn't mean that every single person of color needs a scholarship. Mm -hmm. So it is debanking that myth and busting it because it is not true for every single person of color. And that is why I have felt very much led to do a scholarship immersion experience where I will be hosting (laughs) a half-day immersion, walking you through what is a scholarship first and foremost. I think a lot of people think that they know, but I'm realizing through conversations is that they think that just discounting your price and making it accessible, that that is a scholarship. It is not a scholarship. That's a sale. Yes, (laughs) That is not a scholarship. So differentiating (laughs) the difference and then talking about how can I uh, create a safer space for people of color? What does safety look like? What is safety? And I know we cannot promise safety because safe is a word that means different things to different people. Mm -hmm. But how can I cultivate a, a, a space that that feels safer for people of color to come in and be themselves. And lastly, sustainability. Mm. How can I create not, not only a successful and a safer scholarship program, but how can I create one that is sustainable, that I'm seeing the right people applying for it? And so being able to unpack that for you so that by the time we're done, you're able to walk away to put together a very intuitive um, scholarship program that will see the right people with time apply for that because I won't be here and say, you know, we're going to do this work and immediately you put it out there, people will no. be, you know, applying 
looking for it because again, you got to look at your networks. Who are the people within your networks? If you're not having people of color you know, already engaging with your work, it is going to take some time before they can see those opportunities and trust you in order to take that step and step into your yeah, space. True, true, so true. it is a process. And that's why I'm hosting that on the 30th of November. Awesome. And this will be live. We'll make sure it's live before then. <laughs> link to that. Um, but yeah, that I, I know, for example, that there is no, no question in my mind that there will be a scholarship program for the Thrive Factor Coach community. That, that's no question in my mind at all. But I knew that it wasn't a thing to dive into, to just to look at examples and you know, mash something together. Absolutely. The best thing you can do is hold yourself back from creating something. You'd rather be doing things in a different way mm. of being inclusive before you can create one that potentially causes harm. And you don't even know it is, but it does. Just hold off until you're better educated, you're better informed. So you can put in something that you're so proud of that is values aligned and that is calling in, by the way, not just people of color, but is attracting even paying clients who are like-hearted, who are like, because of the scholarship program, I saw you put together and how you've articulated it. I want to work with somebody who has values like that. And yeah. here I am, and I'm willing to pay fully for your service just because of the values you've displayed to me. Yeah, such a, an important, all of this is so important, but to get the pieces coming together in their right time, not them about being right or wrong, but their right time. So I love it. Annie, thank you so much. I knew we'd have an amazing conversation. I'm so excited. And, you know, Annie was one of the first, you know, people on my list to reach out to, to say, come and be a guest if, you know, and, and your beautiful voice note, your enthusiasm and excitement <laughs> about the fact I was launching a podcast and I said, you was actually my third, but that's okay. It's a, um, it was <laughs> such a, a beautiful thing to respond, like to, to hear. And yeah. it's been such a joy to have so much enthusiasm enthusiasm um, from so many people around the world and one of my big goals is to share the voices of women from around the world on this podcast and you know our first six or eight guests I think we have lined up come from five or six different countries and many of them like you are living in one country but are from somewhere else so we're really you know bringing the global voice together which is is so important so thank you so much for being here I look forward to sharing you and sharing all of the ways to people can connect with you uh, when we go live with this conversation. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in and, and listening to Annie and I chat today. If you have even the smallest inkling of being intrigued about what Annie's doing, follow that. We, I think we talked about it enough today about follow your instincts, follow your gut, follow your heart. You know, go and reach out to somebody who, as I said, I can vouch for is, is definitely walking her talk, practicing what you, you preach and you teach um, in such an authentic way. And I remember one word that stood out for me during Represented, you talked about doing things with grace and you 100% live that, you know, that ethos. I have oh. lived that experience myself. So thank you, beautiful woman, for being here with me today and for being such an important part in my Thrive Factor Coach community now as well. And listeners, thank you. But be sure to you to follow us, to, to go and to rate the show, to share it with everybody, whether it's one episode or the whole podcast. You know, the more that we can get our voices out there and we can, you know, share the conversations that are being had around the world, the better that we will all be. And that to me is a, a part of that ripple of thriving. You know, once we just drop that, you know, the stone, the idea, the seed, the inspiration, and just let it ripple out into the world. But it takes us to to share with each other, to do that in a, such an empowering, beautiful way. So thank you again, Annie. Thank you everyone for listening in. I look forward to being back with another episode very soon. Have a beautiful day. Bye. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. You are so valued and appreciated. Aside from this podcast, my favorite place to hang out online is definitely Instagram. So come and join me, Shannon underscore the Thrive Factor. And no, my DMs are always open for genuine questions and connections. For all the latest Thrive Factor goodness, visit thrivefactorco.com forward slash links, where you'll find more about thriving in life and business. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show and share it with your friends. Let's amplify thriving the world over.